overwhelmed by environmental news? Listen to the Green Diva's My Earth 360 report for the latest eco-news bits from around the globe, carefully curated and borne by our need to say WTF. But we also love to share encouraging stories and, of course, ways that you can make your voice count for the Earth. It's not just my Earth. It's our Earth. And together, we can make a difference. Well, we're catching up with um, Rich Fuller, who is the founder and CEO of Pure Earth. And I just love the sound of that Pure Earth. I don't even know what that is, but for some reason, you know, I, I, I think I do. I feel like I have an image of it. And I love the concept of having that as a goal. And he is out there trying to help communities around the globe who are developing to uh, create less toxic pollution from energy sources or, or variety of things that, that are occurring in developing countries. And they've got some big news coming this week. Well, by the time this um, airs, it, it will be out. Hi, Rich. Hey, Meg. Nice to, nice to talk with you. Yeah, so you've been busy, um, and, and this there's a report coming out tomorrow that I think our listeners are really going to be interested in hearing about. Right. We're bringing out a report that showcases countries that have been doing something good on pollution. That's and uh, it's, uh, we've been working on pollution in the poorer countries of the world now for about, uh, about a decade and a half and trying to get them to you know, take some action and deal with some of these problems. And there are enough good things going on out there that we need to celebrate a little and Oh, definitely. Show the examples, people who've done the right thing. Well, so I, that's the report. I love that there's good news. I mean, honestly, because there's a, just a, you know, way too much bad news, and um, we all need to be encouraged. And I do think, especially here in the U.S. where we're based, but we have listeners all over the world, um, that we, especially here in the U.S., have to become aware uh, and and, you know, just have it in our consciousness that not everybody has clean air. Or even though you wouldn't call our air clean all the time, <laughs> uh, but that they're not as bad as some other countries. Let me tell you. I mean, yeah. you can go into. You have all seen Beijing and those pictures where the camera will pan down the street and you can't see more than a city block before it fades into some gray murk. Yeah, that's um, that's and, and and Beijing now is nowhere near the worst of the cities in terms of air pollution these days. The worst of them now is places you wouldn't you wouldn't imagine. Delhi in India, for example, right. really high up there. And is it primarily from in Pakistan? Energy production, or is it a combination of things? Well, now air pollution comes from a series of different problems, and they vary a little bit from place to place. But the big three or four are. First of all, um, diesel cars, especially oh, yeah. low-grade diesel, the cheap stuff with lots of sulfur in it. Yeah. That's a big deal. The second is from coal-fired power plants, especially if they're in urban areas you know, near the city or in the middle of the city. They'll put out a lot of particulates as well. And the third one is often something quite local. For example, in, uh, in Delhi... During the winter, 
the, um, the watchmen who are looking after people's houses, they'll warm themselves with a piece of coal in a, you know, in a, in a warming dish at the front of the house during the winter. Interesting. And that's enough to make you know, quite a substantial part of the pollution in the air. Wow. Yeah, well, I suppose if you have a lot of people doing that, that's you know, just flat out, yeah. Now, right. one of the statistics I saw... Um, you know, in the press release about about your wonderful report, the, the scary statistic was that like 8.9 million people die died. I think it was 2012 was the statistic from toxic pollution around the globe. I mean, that's a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary how how big the problem is, and this is all from WHO. This is all impeccable source data from the World Health Organization. Right, right. But when you add it all up, all of the different forms of pollution out there um, end up killing one out of every seven people who die on the planet. Really? So, and, and the crazy thing about it is that 95% of those deaths are in the poor countries. This is not um, a U.S. or a European or an Australian or a Japanese problem so much anymore. This is almost all of it in those developing countries that are that have got a lot of industry, um, a lot of uh, mining going on, right. but they haven't done very much about their pollution. Problem. Right, they're having their sort of industrial revolution. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I mean, because I, I think the next statistic was that like 8.4 million of those people are dying, uh, are, are from these developing communities and countries. Correct, which is that 95%. Now, the numbers are really interesting. The... The largest is people who are killed because of exposure to outdoor air pollution, which is that right. air we've been visualizing in Beijing. Right. The second biggest, about another um, three million, um, is from people who die because they have open fires in their houses right. and they don't have good cook stoves. Right, right. So they're breathing in particulates, especially during the winter, all the time while they're cooking their food. Yeah. And that's a huge source of death in the world. Yeah. Then there's about three-quarters of a million people who die because they don't have access to, to sanitation. So they get bacterial diseases and dysenteries and things because they don't have proper toilets and those kind of things. And then there's about another roughly a million people who die because they're exposed to uh, chemicals or contaminated soils or things related to industry. Right, right. Yeah, I. So that's how the numbers break down. At somewhere along the line, we had done a story about cotton farming in India and the the pesticide levels in some of these farms that just run off right into the water, and the farmers, the statistics on them and their families becoming ill is just very upsetting. Yeah, that's a perfect example. There's so many places around the world like that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Tell me a bit more about the work that Pure Earth does specifically to help these communities and uh, help us to understand what's happening. We work um, in a, with a collaborative model, not doing advocacy, but instead providing support and assistance to communities and governments and organizations in places that have very bad pollution. Right. And what we'll do is we'll identify a place where you know, sometimes life expectancy might only be 40 years wow. because it's so toxic. 
And then we'll work out how do you fix it and who knows best how to do that. And there are experts in the U.S. and around the world who really have solved these problems, you know, dozens of times. Right. And we'll bring them out to that poor community and we'll have them train the local governments and agencies on what to do. And then we'll go and find the money to implement the solution as well. So wow. sometimes we're bringing the World Bank in or sometimes we're finding donors from our own uh, set of supporters who provide money to us. So micro lending might be this might be applicable for these kinds of projects. No, we don't do micro lending. These okay. projects usually mean, you know, um, digging up uh, very contaminated soil. Oh, okay, so and moving it somewhere safe. For significant example, with lead yeah. poisoning. Yeah, yeah, and they often need uh, fifty thousand dollars or perhaps a million dollars at the most to clean up some of these places. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. Just, it's, it's so often they're small amounts of money, so we'll just you know bring whatever resources we can and take it over there. And most of our senior gray-haired technical people who come <laughs> over and help us, they're all these you know experts who love doing this because they're doing something really great to yeah. solve you know big problems and look after lots of children. So they're often donating their time for free. I love that senior gray-haired uh, engineers yeah. and whatever. <laughs> yeah technical people yeah. it's 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 a wonderful wonderful concept and so tell our listeners how they can find out more and how they can participate in in what you're doing well the website is pureearth.org and uh, there you'll see lots of stories and examples of some of the different projects that we've been doing i've got one very interesting story okay. about a cleanup in the Ukraine, a place now that is undergoing great turmoil with the Russian invasion. But we were called in there about five or six years ago um, by a local mayor in a small town just outside of Dzerzhinsk, which is the center of the fighting right now. Oh. And his town was built around an old Soviet factory hmm. that was manufacturing bombs for the war effort. Oh. And and the, the factory was quite large. It was a campus of a couple of hundred acres with maybe five or six large buildings on it, making TNT and maybe even making uh, nerve gas, too, uh, for the Russians, uh. possibly. And when the um, Soviet Union collapsed, the factory kind of sputtered on for a little while, keeping on manufacturing stuff. But eventually it just stopped, and they never properly decommissioned it or looked after anything. And they left behind thousands of tons i mean like five thousand tons of very toxic materials Oy. none of it packaged correctly and it all started to uh, go down into the groundwater show up in the town's drinking water uh. and the the life expectancy in the town just started to plummet yeah so understandable by the time we got there you could smell the toxicity in the air um it was really very, very bad. And people people weren't living past 45. They were dying wow. of all kinds of acute problems. So you rallied some, obviously, some resources. We did. We got uh, some really terrific experts, some from the um, chemical industry, some from the U.S. Army, because it was kind of an Army issue as well. And we, we found some funding from the European 
uh, commission, who were absolutely wonderful, and then the Swedes as well. And we brought all of that together and ended up um, packaging these thousands of tons of acutely toxic stuff and getting it carted off to a safe disposal. It was incinerated in yeah. a high-temperature plasma incinerator Wow! Uh, and destroyed. And then we decommissioned uh, the worst of the buildings. We cleaned them out and ended up composting a lot of other toxic material. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's now still uh, a toxic site, but it's no longer acute. It's right. no longer poisoning people who aren't stepping on top of it. Now it's right. just a place to avoid walking on. Right. So, well, wow. interesting project. The Ukraine, I'm telling you, this is the fourth time in two weeks that I have heard really good things about um, them focusing on uh, the environment and, and uh, ethical, all kinds of really cool stuff. I'm, I'm really pleased. Mm. So do you go to all these places? I've traveled to a good number of these places. Wow. In the last 15 years, we've done maybe 60 projects around the world from China and India and the Philippines and lots of places in Africa and Latin America as well. And I've visited a good number of most of these places over the years. Well, I thank you for the work you're doing, and let's keep in touch because I know that there'll be more wonderful stories and, and a lot of hope uh, as, as you uh, clean up our world. <laughs> Thank you very much. And everybody, please check out pureearth.org. And thanks so much, Rich. Oh, my great pleasure. Get all the details from this Green Divas My Earth 360 report and lots more on thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. And myearth360.com. 